0: Podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. And now, blessed as we give our attention to the reading of God's Word. Our reading this morning is from um, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. I invite you to listen to this, the word of the Lord. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. This is the word of God for the people of God. I'd like to um, start with a confession this morning, um, one that you might not be prepared for. So, you know, just hold on. Uh, I hope, Lord willing, that this will, you know, you this won't ruin your holiday season. Um, but my confession is this. I am not naturally a patient person. Why are you smiling? That's not nice. <laughs> um Feels kind of good to get that off my my chest, but that, you know you don't you know this to be true, right? Uh, nobody was surprised by that. Everybody kind of gets that by me. Uh, I, over the years, I have taken every personality test, every inventory, every emotional quotient thing, every strength finder you can you can put in front of me, and they universally gen- come back saying something along this this line: Jim likes to get things done. When faced with a decision, he prefers uh, to work with a team to come up with a solution and then move on to the appropriate actions. When things get stalled or decisions can't be made, Jim can get antsy or irritated. Jim isn't good at waiting. Yep. Nailed it. It's totally me. There have been a lot of situations when this has been my reality, where I've had to deal with this um, on a very personal level. Um, one of those that stands out to me uh, is when Joy told, us, told me that she was pregnant. Each time, okay, each time with Alex, she said, hey, I'm pregnant. And I said, you're kidding. Um, with Tyler, I said, you're messing with me. Um, with Ollie, I said, nah Um, Apparently, I also have trust issues, but the underlying um, thought that I had with all three of these uh, announcements that Joy gave to me almost immediately was, what's it going to be? Boy or girl? Now, those folks who who can wait all the way through the whole nine months and everything, that's so confusing to me. I don't get that at all. I don't, nope. Nope. I don't understand it. Um, this this new phenomenon of the gender reveal parties, where where dad waits for mom to get the box of balloons or the cake that they cut open, and then they put it on the video and announce it. Nope, mm-mm. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm in the room with the sonogram, looking, and I'm going like this. I mean, I am looking. I am pouring over that video. I have no idea necessarily what I'm looking for, but I know one thing I'm looking for. Um, I'm in that room intently looking after everything I am not waiting for a bakery I am not I am I' seeing and I'm walking out that door with the, with the announcement did y'all hear about the guy recently who did the gender reveal thing and decided he needed to up the game um, balloons and cake weren't gonna do it for him he gets fireworks in the color of the gender of this child and s- has the camera ready, he sets them off, the announcement is made, and the next thing you know, 45,000 acres of land in Arizona are, are burning that cost $8.1 million of damage that he's going to be paying for the next 30 years of his child's life. Um, see, this is where my impatience pays off. I don't have to worry about something like that. Um, I, I love in the nativity story how this messenger of God comes to see Mary. Mary. Mary is around 13 years old, and she's doing her chores, and up pops this man dressed in all shiny, and he says, hi there, favored one of the most high. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Right. Um, you're going to have a baby, and his name will be Jesus, and he will save the world. Now, she has a whole lot of questions, right? <laughs> I, I, no, I would. I'd probably do that. Nuh-uh. Um, but the messenger is so excited that he doesn't have time to give her the opportunity to have a reveal party, does she? Um, he, he will be born. He will be named Jesus. He will save his people. And Joseph doesn't get to, uh, to play um, out the whole wait and see game either because the angel comes and speaks to him in a dream and says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child is of the Holy Spirit. <gasps> the angel's being coy there. Did you notice? The child. But then says and then you will name him Jesus and there went the surprise. <laughs> um, I love I love that this messenger all I can envision is this messenger is so excited with the news that he's got that he just he's kind of like this. He got it. Oh. He's got no time for cute. He has this announcement that's going to shake the cosmos and it has to get out. Gabriel is the man or the angel or whatever. And I can totally relate with this idea of having such great news that it just can't Stand it. And Gabriel doesn't want to miss a single detail. He's, got, he's not going to let God down. He's going to make sure that the incredible, uncontainable news gets out. Anybody else relate? Ever had that kind of news that you just couldn't wait to get out? I hate holding on to things that are incredible. I've gotten pretty good at secrets and, and holding, you know, but, oh, it drives me nuts, especially when I know it's going to bless somebody, it's going to make them feel alive. If I've got a word that's going to encourage someone and I feel like I have to hold on to it, if I feel like I have to be patient with that word, blech. um Mary and Joseph got the word, and it's this exciting and this alarming message um, from a messenger of God who can't contain his own words. He can't contain the sparkle. <laughs> But once word gets out, once the decision is made, they have to do what all expecting parents have to do. Wait. Wait. For me, waiting is the worst. (laughs) I can't stand waiting. I don't like to just be in this. Anybody ever been on a plane and the, the pilot came on over the intercom and said, sorry, folks, we're going to be circling up here for just a little bit, so strap in, we'll put a movie on for you and enjoy. Nope. Nope, don't like it. Um, our culture is not good at waiting. I'm not the only one. <laughs> and Joseph's uh, Joseph and Mary's culture, they understood waiting in a different way than we do. We're an instant gratification society, right? Whew, I'm orally fixated. I need something to do. I'm going to go get a piece of gum and chew it. Now I'm happy. Whew, I need this. Oh, this shirt doesn't fit. I'm going to run to Target and get a new shirt because I can get that. Whew, we don't have to wait. We can go, we can go, we can go. Um, the Hebrews... Um, by the time Jesus is about to be born, they had come in and out of waiting and exile and conquest, and now they're under this oppressive rule of Rome, and they're just waiting. They had an emperor who calls himself the son of God. He had, they have a local king, this guy named Herod, who's a nutter, king of the Jews who's not a Jew, who's a paranoid psychotic who, who tasks people and taxes people so that he can build these incredible monuments to his own Fears, quite frankly. And the Jews have been waiting for a king like King David since the time of King Solomon when he stopped acting so wisely. And 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 they're they're looking, and the nation gets torn apart, and they're crying out, and the pagans are oppressing them, and they're crying out even more. And the story of Scripture that we read, the story of this book, especially those first several books, um, seems to be this God's interaction in God's creation, and it's a story of waiting. God's gonna come. God's gonna do something. But there's this element of patience that's continually kind of leaked in. Y'all yeah, just sit with this, relax. In this familiar passage, um, we get this, this this promise of light bursting out onto the scene and rescuing God's people. Um, the section of Isaiah was written before Jerusalem was destroyed, and the people are gathered in the temple, and they're. They are flipping out because this army called Assyria is getting ready to come and just squash them. They've already done it to the northern kingdom. Um, And they are in this temple. They're gathered. They're shaking. They're crying out for God. They know they have messed up and they need some good news. And Isaiah stands and he says, there will be no more gloom. Ah, Isn't that great? There will be no more gloom. Anybody been in a gloomy spot and needed a word of hope that would say, it's going to go away? My mom's, one of mom's favorite phrases is, this too shall pass. <laughs> it's one of those moments. There will be no more gloom. Um, there's, there's this fighting of fear in that. The gloom that is so overwhelming is going to end. There's an approaching, this approaching machine is going to be dealt with. Rejoice. Isaiah says, for the warrior's boots and the uniforms will be used as fuel for our own fires. Rejoice in your shaking and in your fear and in your anticipation. Rejoice. That's an amazing word. And history tells us that Assyria never actually conquered Jerusalem. The biblical accounts have God intervening and Assyria just kind of going, "Uh, I'm done, and walking away. That prophecy, though, wasn't just for the Jews quivering inside of the temple with this threat of a foreign army. Isaiah's prophecy, as is so often true of the prophecy in the Old Testament, sees now but then also sees into the future. There's a promise of hope now, but there's a promise of a hope yet to come, something that God wants to do. Assyria is going to be dealt with, but even something even greater, something even more is going to happen. Um, um, Let me read this again. For for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be, what? No end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. The zeal or the passion of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Um, the word is never used in the scriptures, but what this is describing is this, this church word we say, incarnation. Eugene Peterson says it's God moving into the neighborhood. Um, The gloomy dark that Isaiah sees isn't just some pagan army. The hope that's needed isn't just a a five-hour energy shot that will get them up and get them going for the next little bit. They need something to latch on and to hold on to for as long as needed, generations if necessary. What they needed was a blinding light to come and chase away any of the dark spots and the cobwebs and the yuck. Isaiah and the people were given a a message of hope, a hope for today, uh, but a hope of yet to come. A hope that says even in the dark spots, there's something you can lean into and you can push forward in. A hope that says that it's more than just a passing. A hope that says that we're not only saved here now, but we're going to be saved forever. This is the hope. If you call yourself a Christian, this is this is this is our hope. This is our modus operandi. This is our way of being. We are a people of hope. It's not a hope that often we can see, um, at least all the time, but it is a hope that overwhelms the darkness. Do you know what I think? Do you know what I think the, the world needs more than ever right now? a bunch of Christians so fired up with hope that all of the negative stuff that's everywhere else just kind of goes away like white noise. Not naive, bouncy, floating from cloud to cloud little cupids. I mean like a people who are audaciously, um, almost arrogantly hopeful. Hopeful that there is this promise that this child who was born can be born again in us and that one day we'll come and restore all things. I think we need that more than ever. A hope that endures. A hope that shatters despair. A hope that can transform any circumstance. And it's a hope. It's a pregnant hope. My favorite part of, of this passage from Isaiah Isn't that the child is born and that the government will rest or the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace thing. It's not that David's throne of righteousness and justice is going to be. That's all great, right? I mean, that's exciting stuff. My favorite part about this whole passage from Isaiah um, is that, that God's what? Passion will make it happen. I used to say as a youth director that Christians should be the most joy-filled people on the planet. I also think that Christians should be the most passionate people on the planet. Why? Because we have this God who is passionate about his own work. Passionate about doing whatever he can to restore his people. It's a God that's got this overwhelming longing and joy to restore you and I. We often read the scriptures and we go, man, God's a kind of rough, right? No. No, God is a passionate God, zeal to bring something about that will bring light into darkness. Um, it's a God who says no to the our worrying madness and the broken relationships that that happen in the darkness. It's a God who wants to consume us with his light and make everything right. It's a God who inspires a prophet to encourage the people to hold on. It's a God who sends an angel who who isn't able to hold the excitement that it's finally here. It's it's a God who uses nobodies to do his work so that the greatest somebody who ever lived can offer everybody a life abundant. We live on the other side of Gabriel's announcement, right? Still, is everybody awake? Am I the only one bouncing up here? Um, there's a lot of gloom, right? Turn on the news. still a lot of despair, and it feels like the darkness oftentimes is winning, like it's getting darker, and the confusion of our society is only getting stronger. But, oh my gosh, y'all listen, but the light has come. It's a good place for an amen, just saying. So the light has come. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make y'all charismatics before I... We've not only seen the light though we post Gabriel we've been infused with the light Jesus would later say that you my followers are the what light of the world this light it fills us with an imagination that is beyond it's a holy imagination that comes from the passion or the zeal of God and a belief that can bring fire to to the darkest places inside of us and outside of us that we can go storming the streets or our workplaces or Target with good news. With good news. Good news that Jesus was born, that Jesus did live, that Jesus did announce that a kingdom had come Jesus did die, that he was resurrected so that the death and the sin that we um, are consumed with and and, and eaten up with can be destroyed, Um, that Jesus did assume the throne of all of creation and that he sent the Spirit to release his presence and power in you and I, that there might be a little bit more light everywhere we go, that Jesus will come again to receive the light bearers and finally make everything right. I'm not good at waiting. And in many ways, we're invited as part of the story to wait, but you know what we don't have to wait for? We don't have to wait for the passion of the Lord to reveal his light in us to go out and share it. It's already been given. In in fact, ooh, step on toes. Um, To not share that, we might call that rebellion. We might call that sin. We might call that disobedience. We might call that darkness. The passion of the Lord will see this through. It will happen. It will happen. It can happen in and through you and me. And that may mean that light's going to burst out any second. Woo-hoo! May also mean that we need to wait expectantly I find a lot of Christians believe that action and waiting are incompatible. We're either just waiting, sitting down, you know, churches close every day because of that. We're just waiting. The glory days will return. It's when we, it's where we get that phrase, we're all going to Hades in a handbasket. Because we're just comfortable waiting. The waiting of Advent uh, isn't just about holy huddling. It's about letting the light break out. And so throughout this series, this Advent time, I want to give us time to reflect. And so I want to, if you have something in your hands, push it to the side. um, And let's have a moment of patience, shall we? Just quiet yourself, close your eyes, and let's be still. The zeal and passion of the Lord is that gloom and dark are chased away. The longing of God in this season of your life is not for more stuff, but for him so that you can be a part of a work that changes the world. So the question this morning, how is your holy imagination Has it gotten off kilter or out of whack? Has the darkness been too overwhelming? The light of the world has come. And so receive from him a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace, who will not only meet you, wake you and drench you in a hope that releases you to go and give the incarnation away to somebody else. Gracious and loving God, we thank you um, that you sent an angel who was shiny and couldn't contain it. (laughs) Thank you that it was your passionate zeal, your desire to redeem and rescue Lord, I pray that you would fill us um, in these days as we um, anticipate Christmas. That you would fill us with a, a hope, a patient hope that's, um, well, quite honestly, can be unexplainable to those who don't get it. Help us to be looking intently for the opportunities of life around us. Help us to be those lights that are let loose and given to a world in darkness. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. <laughs> thank you for giving us your spirit and thank you for letting us join in on your work of redemption. Lord, we, we give you Thanks. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that we offer this prayer, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.